Wow, look at that. You pressed a button, and there we are. This is the Untitled Film Project Podcast with Justin Bradford, Jeremy K. Gover, and me, Jim Chandler. We talk about movies, and today we're going to be talking about the war epic Devotion. So I called you one of the best pilots he's ever seen. It must be hard being the uh, naval aviator. And in another portion of the program, we are going at Strange World, the family action-adventure film from Disney that has people talking, but for reasons of didn't make a dime. <laughs> the story of a historic pilot in American history by the name of Jesse Brown, but in one of the wars that's rarely talked about or mentioned or shown in films, which is the Korean War, the very beginning of the Korean War after World War II, and uh, his relationship with his lieutenant and wingman, Tom, played by Glenn Powell. Uh, the two get sent off to war overseas, and uh, it's a pretty interesting story, pretty beautiful movie. Let's get some initial first takes on devotion, starting with... JKG, Jeremy Gover. I enjoy a good war film, but I stress the word good. It doesn't do it enough for me if it's just about war. Right. Sure. Like there's people that are just like, oh, I love it's, you know, war movies. It's and, not a genre that pulls correct. you in. Right. And okay. so, so if it's really good, I'm on board. And I have to tell you, from the opening title card to the end, devotion held my attention. And it was just absolutely tremendous. I could feel the hesitation of the race relations from the very first scene. And that's hard to do when you're expecting to feel that. Like, you know, yeah. the stories about a right. black aviator is the first black aviator. You go, okay, he's going to, he's going to face adversity through this movie. What's right. the story about, right? How will he triumph? You yeah. expect it and it still impacts you. And yeah. I think that's the mark of a true work of art. I mean, that, that's if you, you know, what's coming and it still hits you across the face. Then they've really accomplished something. Yes. Uh, the framing of every shot was perfection. It was perfect. From when they're on the beach and how the couple is shot in the, in the frame to him in the cockpit to the two guys talking at their bunks to, I mean, every shot was perfect. They used visual musical cues, which I applaud to heaven and back. There's a, a a character disappeared around a wall, and that's when that that's that song ended. Or there was another one where a guy was about to give a speech, and his arm was in the air to call attention to his men, and he's on he was on the screen for you know, a second, second and a half, you know, you know, and the, yeah. and the song of the previous scene still playing, and when he puts it down to call attention to his men, the song's over. I mean, things like that. I love that. little cues like that, and I, it's just. It, I could go on and on. The, the, it was great. All right. All right. Let's go to uh, Justin Bradford. I mean, Gover said so many of the great things already that I loved about this film. My focus then, because he said so many great things already, will be just on the acting. This is becoming Jonathan Major's world, and we're just living in it now. Mm -hmm. That yeah. dude mm -hmm. is putting out some fantastic work, and he's just getting started when you really think about it. It's, <laughs> if you think of some of your great movie stars, remember, you, it, like, you say, oh, I wish I knew about them then. Yeah. I think we have that moment right now with Jonathan Majors where he is, like, he's been consistently shining in every single thing he does. 
He truly is, and now about to be a Marvel star, big time, as well. And that, that's not That'll to shake it. it. That just shows that he's had the eye on him. They they saw that early. When you think about how long ago was Loki filmed, mm-hmm. and then the the thought process of putting him now in being the next big bad. Yeah. As well, too. So they they saw how special Jonathan Majors was. Yeah, this in guy this. can carry a movie. Absolutely. Then Glenn Powell, two you know, <laughs> fighter pilot movies in a row for him. <laughs> very is, very different. I get it's Top Gun. It's been a very flyy yeah. year for but Glenn very Powell. very different roles. Yeah, he plays the you know the cocky ass in Top Gun Maverick. Yep. And, and then this one, not so much. In yeah. this Movie. And but what I liked so much about this film is that we are getting. Pretty much an untold story. There's there's plenty of articles there about uh, Jesse Brown's remains, about the story and everything, but not pop culture wise because, like I said, it's, we don't talk about the Korean War much. Yep. We just we just don't. Just but gets passed by. It just gets passed by so much because you have World War II and the Vietnam War, and Korean War's stuck in there and just overshadowed when it comes to the history books yeah. and how it's discussed, and especially in Hollywood and pop culture. It's always World War II, Vietnam, and and other things. So for them to be able to focus on that, plus, as Gover stated too, deal with race relations in yeah. this film. You could not ignore it. It was a major part of this. Now we dealt with that and how Jesse Brown had to deal with this throughout the military, but also being in France and yeah. things like that. And obviously inspired by true events and based on true events, we don't know everything that happened. And I'm sure way worse actually happened to jesse brown there's no could, doubt could very, in my mind could very well be yes it way is worse a, it is a dramatization and his remains are still in north korea yeah. it's still still he has not been able to be recovered this long afterwards and to tell that story as well and i did not do any previous research before the film because i did not know the story i purposely i wanted yeah i just saw the trailer i thought this looks very intriguing and interesting i want to go see the film to be told the story and to see how it ends was heartbreaking mm-hmm. for me. So heartbreaking it because was. I thought, oh, maybe so we're going to get a happy ending, maybe? No. No, we did not. You we got, got reality. We got reality and what truly happens during war. And that's when and it sinks in. When it's, it doesn't feel dramatized, you, so you much. feel like you're just, it's honest. So much. And we also got Joe Jonas. I didn't realize we were going to get Joe Jonas <laughs> on the screen. But in was a supporting he in Pearl role. Harbor or it, one of those type movies already? I think he was. But, uh, but he may be pl- doing the Glenn Powell thing, only nameless sailor number six. <laughs> but as a supporting role, good for Joe Jonas. He did well. Yes. I, I, I like Christina Jackson and playing Jesse Brown's wife Jeez. was incredible. Yep. I completely believed I was in that time. The way she had transformed for this movie, she was she just sold it so well. She really, truly did. And what got me at the end, because what so much has been discussed, too, is that she said it without saying it in terms of looking after Jesse to Tom Hudner to Glenn Powell's character, that it wasn't meant to be a white savior type of film Mm -hmm. the the character was not meant to be a white savior jesse was going to do what jesse was going to do it was regardless of race it was there was nothing in that except for the bond that they had and And it was and there was a lot of growth because he tom hunter had to figure out a lot about how jesse brown operated through the film yes and we, we don't know everything still about what actually happened, but we got a good sense of things as well. And it looked like Jesse didn't make it easy for him because he had developed such an armor, you know, because he had to, yeah. Because he he had to. So beautifully shot, great to see Corsairs 
So some beautiful, beautiful shots as well, just throughout the entire film. Some gorgeous filmmaking. The, the music behind it was, was pretty incredible to make you feel. So overall, yeah, I definitely enjoy this film as a, as a war epic. I think it's something that I, I wish more people would see. Now, granted, it's not doing awful at the box office, but it's not doing as well as it probably should be given this. I mean, over yeah. just over 13 million gross. Um, it's It deserves to be seen by more people because it, it needs... Does to be seen by more people. And you're thinking, oh gosh, I'm going to go to some movie where they're going to lecture me or something because people will not see a movie if they feel that way. This movie doesn't do that at all. And I think that alludes to what you were nodding about earlier. Jeremy K. Gover, expand on that. There was never a moment in in the film that I felt like, oh, there's an agenda here. Right. Or they're trying to be woke, or, or there's any kind of or like showing me this as an educational film yes, at school. I'm not being demeaned by showing the how it should have been. Mm-hmm. Never had that vibe. I tend to be conscious when works of art, TV shows, films, whatever, art, music are trying to push something at me. When it I tend to be a very message more than a movie. Yes, I try to be. I, I tend to be very conscious of those things, and there's not a single moment in here. In this entire movie, where I felt like they're trying to drill this home to me. They're trying to educate me, the middle-aged white guy. You nailed it. I can agree with the premise. Yes. I can even agree with what you're pushing. Right. But if I I feel like I'm being served, I'm not interested. And I'm not enjoying this. Correct. Uh, And and enjoying, you know, the story that contains a lot of tragedy. I'm not saying enjoy tragedy. I'm enjoying how well they portrayed that tragedy. Uh, I think they did it so well in this movie uh, that it felt real and natural. Mm-hmm. And because I think one of the reasons is they focus on humanity, humanity and relationships, how the humans, how they interact with each other, how Jesse just cherishes and respects his wife, how she just loves him and adores him so much as one wants him safe. You're focusing on the humanity of things. That's why you can address more difficult topics when you're focusing on the human element. True, but not great writers. I'll put it that way can still turn that into a preach session well yeah but that's what i'm saying that's right. why it, they did it so well is because they focused on the human moment of it right. and they, there wasn't anything preaching let's uh let's get some scores here let us start with jeremy k gover because i'm afraid to go first <laughs> that's fair you know what i appreciate you guys i appreciate a movie that's based on a true story that doesn't feel stretched yeah, uh, I, I'm not a historian. I can't tell you whether or not what you see on screen is everything that really went down. Like Bradford said earlier, I don't know. I, I didn't know the story. Pearl Harbor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I didn't know this story before I walked into the theater, but I can tell you that it makes me want to go learn about the subject. And I have since. Right. So uh, it felt real. And even more importantly than that, again, I didn't feel like the filmmakers were taking liberties with the story. Mm-hmm. I never felt like they're OK. This Elizabeth Taylor thing is made up. It very well could have been. They needed some sort of star, and they that would mm-hmm. be a lightning rod, and we'll do that. It very well could have been. Right. But I never felt like it was. I never felt like, oh, they just picked Elizabeth Taylor because she was the biggest star in the world. It just, it felt natural. It felt right. like that's what I'm, that's what the story really is. So, again, while I can't verify that, I'm not a historian, I don't know the story, but I can tell you as an audience goer, which is what we're all judging this movie on, uh, it felt perfectly fine to me. There was no kind of exaggeration that i felt like mm-hmm. it was it, you know because you know the hollywood thing is they take these 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 true stories and they exaggerate them like crazy sure didn't feel that way and that was that's a huge feather in its cap 
plus I, for you. I left being wowed by Jonathan Major's portrayal of Jesse Brown and again, wanting to learn more about who Jesse Brown was. So much so that when I was making my notes for this film, for our show, I was upset that I couldn't find his rank because <laughs> I wanted to do him justice by saying, okay, first class officer or you know, whatever sure. his actual rank is. I'm not a military guy, so I don't know what the, the way, but I, I, was, I wanted to address him. Because you care as the about rank that he that earned. Person. Yes, was, like I feel yeah. like we should be addressing him as again whatever his title rank is. You know, Jesse. He, you know, Jesse Brown. He was an ensign, I believe, when he introduced yes. himself to uh, Glenn Powell's character. Yes, and, so, on, and on Wikipedia, that's the gospel. But that's what it says as well. I th- I think he remains an ensign. I just didn't know what that was. Yeah, and okay. so I didn't want to call him gotcha. that and be, look like an idiot. Yeah, so again, respect. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, again, yeah, right. I respect for him. As so, you would do with anybody who served that way. I mean, sure. Look, all in all, it was one of the best films of the year. And you're right. More people need to see it. Not for the relations part, although I'm sure that's a big part of it, you know, like for, other, for sure. certain people, but more because it's just a great, entertaining film that also happens to be one of the better films of 2022, and therefore I give it a nine. Wow. I did not expect that great a grade from Jeremy Gover. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you very much, but uh, I think you hit on some things that I think I didn't even notice that they did well. So I, you know, had very nitpicky things with this film. I, I guess I was playing the part of Jeremy. Because I, <laughs> no, I, I, I wasn't that bad. Trust me. It could never be that bad. Did you see the rivet on the Corsair's That cowl? car had seatbelts. Yeah. The car's that age yeah. didn't have seatbelts. No, yeah. I can't. Uh, you know, there was just a few things. Like, I think uh, the actress who played Elizabeth Taylor, I didn't buy it. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I just didn't <laughs> think the casting was correct or she didn't hit it correct just something about that felt alien to me that's a tiny thing for the most part i'm going to say maybe it's a victim of its own success it didn't have these these dramatized things that made you go wow all the time because they were showing you a more real version of the movie so you know while i i it's going to sound like i'm insulting them they they did an admiral's job a yeoman's job on this film they did it justice. They did it well. Is it a great film? I don't know. Is it a great story? For sure. So I'm going to give it a seven. I thought it, there were so many fantastic things about this movie. I reluctantly give it a seven because I can't really put a finger on why I thought it was going to be something more than it was. And they did a great job with it. So take that seven as, as high praise. Bradford. All right. So just some notes in terms of why I appreciate in terms of the director, J.D. Dillard, and yeah. the effort that he put into this and why it meant so much. So he is the son of Bruce Dillard, who is the second black naval aviator to fly with the Blue Angels. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So in terms of having a connection <laughs> to many, many things. So meaningful. Very meaningful. Makes me appreciate the film and him being behind it yes. uh, that much more. Uh, just some notes, not that this is affecting my score and what I'm going to give it. But it is curious that even though it hasn't been seen by as many people going to Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 92% audience score and an 81% tomato meter. That's about right. Yeah. That's that's pretty darn good, given the people that have seen it as well, yes. in terms of overall people do like the film yes. as well. So even, Jim, your score means you liked the film, 
It wasn't the same really level as good. Discover, but you liked the film a yeah, lot. it was really good. So it's one of those things that if you go see it, you're going to like it. You're most likely going to enjoy this film in some way because the story it tells, the subject matter at hand, something about this film, people enjoy it. I just wish more people would more yeah. than anything else. I, I wonder if they didn't make the movie sexy enough. Obviously, they couldn't because they're telling a true story, at least being true to the story. That's but true. we talked about that. But I think Top Gun... If you yeah, really sexy. enjoyed Maverick, <laughs> I think you're really going to like this movie, but for very different reasons. There is no, you know, sex it, appeal. It's to the this subject film. matter more yeah, than anything it's the else. Subject matter. It's totally subject matter. But, and but you will get even though it's something different. I think if you saw one, you'd love the other. Most likely, yes. But marketing obviously has plenty to do with it too. Sony did not put too. Not, didn't put too much behind this. Not many movie studios are these days, unless you're Avatar, right? But, uh, so, but which you're is right. A whole other issue. Yeah, right that, away. that's a whole show. But you're right. <laughs> they didn't give this very much. So they, they did not give it too much. They're relying on a lot of other things. Social media. They're very active on social media. Yeah. Um, but yes, I enjoyed the film. The subject line made me look more into the actual person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesse Brown as well too. Um, I appreciate it, especially Glenn Powell's performance, given that all I had to base it on was Top Gun. Like, okay, I'm curious right. to see how he does in this, which is still another aviation film, but a very different type of character right. for him. And I think he did very, very well in that role as well, too. Again, Jonathan Majors, superb, and fantastic. The, f- the fact and- that, that he was doing that in virtually the same uniform, in the same role, that he made you believe he was the character he was in both Top Gun and in Devotion right. is a testament yeah. to Glenn Powell. I know we've talked about Jonathan Majors a lot, but... Let's not look past Glenn Pollard. I think he he might because he's a, like a pretty boy. So sometimes they don't get the accolades, but I want to hand it to him. Yeah. So with that, I'm giving it an eight. Really right. did enjoy it. That's okay. uh, And that's your median score for Devotion. Now I think we're talking about Strange World, right? Yes. So we want to get into Strange World here because it's a Disney film that Bradford, you were very excited about. I was. But you had an issue with how it was marketed prior to the release. And I want to address that real quick by just saying that I didn't notice that at all from a lack of marketing because I go to movies a lot and I've seen that trailer before, I don't know, 90%. and you have a young son, so yeah, young, you're yes, exposed young son. to a lot of the stuff that he's seeing, too. Great call. That's right. So since DC League of Super Pets came out, yeah. I've been watching the Strange World preview, and I'm like, I don't get it. I don't know what the story is. I don't know why. Like, wh- What am I supposed to gravitate towards here other than it's Disney, and it's supposed to be new, like right. not a ripoff of anything. It's supposed to be a true original thing. So, I w- so the fact that you were complaining off air a lot the last couple of weeks about how they haven't put any marketing behind it. I'm like, no, I've known about it. And you called me on it. You're like, well, that's because you go to the movie theaters all the time. Right. And I was like, holy crap, you're right. I don't think I've seen it anywhere else. If you compare it to anything else out there, it got almost nothing. And yeah. when it did, uh, that's when I would just, just jump in and say, it sold the story poorly, that it didn't inspire anybody to talk about it. I didn't know what the story was. That's how poorly it was. Exactly. I had no idea what this was. Bradford, tell us all about Strange World. Oh, deep side. That's not a good starting point. <laughs> whether it had tropes that we see so often, whether it covered certain storylines that we see often, it's animation. It's supposed to be fun for the family. It's supposed to be a, a movie that you can take your family to and everybody is able to enjoy and not just a certain age demographic or just for kids or just for adults or anything like that. 
I thought the animation was beautiful. I really did enjoy the music. Uh, I love the classic adventure styling that we see sometimes like in, in Up or Indiana Jones, but this is a whole different thing. The voice actors were fine. I wish we could, like we said before, I want trained voice actors in movies like this. Not just movie stars, because I feel like you can they can give an actual voice to a character that's developing a voice for the character, not just you, you're Jake Gyllenhaal. Be Jake Gyllenhaal. Like there's no right. there's no differentiation. Whereas you have some people it's like funny in you DC mentioned that pets. one because I think uh, he was the one that didn't fit his character the most. Right, he and, was not Searcher Clay. He was Jake Gyllenhaal. Right, and, and DC League of Super Pets it was a supporting cast. Yeah, that was the best. So uh, that was my take on the movie overall. But marketing for this, Atrocious. you have a you have a Disney animated what they're pushing to be a classic so disney animation studios not pixar so it's Walt disney animation and we've seen some teaser trailers out there at movie theaters seen very few things in social media but when you have something like this which deals with representation let's go ahead and put that right out there too uh, that uh, you we have will, we will address the subject that you have that the first lgbtq plus character that is fully out yeah. In this, People and that character say, oh, being a teenager, where they're going to go woke on us or something. Just no, no, no. no it's no. just don't put words in our mouth. Disney did an awful job of marketing this film, just like they did with Treasure Planet, just like they did with Atlantis. They basically made it and then they forgot about it. There and is almost history repeating itself. You it can is. See, about twenty or so years ago. They went through. Now let's do some family action and adventure movies. That never quite caught traction. And this is meant to be a, a classic adventure story because it is an adventure story. It's supposed to be fun. You're seeing new things. It's an alien world within their own planet, which ends right. up being a completely different type of thing. That's not even that's not even important. <laughs> the important part is the marketing sucked. It straight up sucked. <laughs> there was no thought behind it. I don't care if it was a Bob Chapek thing or a Bob Iger coming back in thing. Some sort of Bob there's, thing. There's no, there was Bob. no point behind that because Bob Chapek was not in charge of the freaking marketing Somebody of this damn whose film. Somebody name you could say frontwards and when, backwards and it would be the same. When marketing is doing things right, you're seeing partnerships, you see it in a Happy Meal, you see <laughs> yeah. it plastered everywhere, you see television commercials, Truth. you don't just focus on social media. So the fact that people are claiming, well, this is a Disney bomb, it's a Disney bomb, and it is compared to what Disney is used to, the estimated budget was 135 to 180 Yeah, that's a bomb. $43 million isn't bad, but that is a bomb for Disney standards and is the worst opening that they've had, and they've done it to themselves. Hold on, Gover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got okay. you. Jeremy because coming up. you mean, see yeah, social media and saying it's a great adventure they're marketing it like they've done nothing wrong you idiots you did plenty of things wrong how the <laughs> hell do you expect a film to be successful because now what's going to happen you have a cast of characters on here that was a fully diverse crowd a fully diverse crowd in terms of skin color representation everything and a new type of story which people complain all the time why can't they do something new why is it always sequels why is it always a superhero something maybe, a little bit unique and maybe they, they don't work and they don't have confidence and they in don't it. have confidence in it they didn't market it but i know and Ooh. you know if they put a little bit of money behind this they would have matched their budget they would have because maybe they would have because people will go and take their kids because they need something to take their kids to. And how many family movies are out right now? In this day and age, they get one wind of the... And they didn't get any wind. Oh, they got plenty 
through social through media fart noise. and and certain media outlets were attacking this movie long before from it came get-go. out. From long the get-go. Long before it came out. So, you know, if they were going to make some money, you know, they had a prime opportunity to do it over Thanksgiving weekend, and a whole bunch of people listened to the trolls ahead of time who bombed this movie intentionally to divert it and nobody see it, and it worked. That's what happened. And I enjoyed it. Is it the, my favorite anime? No. Is it my top 10? No, it's not. But it's a good enough movie that should have been marketed because when you don't see partnerships with restaurants or pop culture or anything, you know they're not marketing it right. Because right. every single time, every Marvel movie, every superhero movie, sure. every animated movie that comes out, there's always a partnership or a it's toy. The, it's the toy to get somebody yeah, into it, a store. It doesn't have to be McDonald's. There's Burger King. You see it. Subway you see it. Does Sonic it? does yeah. certain things. All anything. A partnership of something major in pop culture. Television commercials during major sporting events. Yep. All those things did not happen with Strange World, yet they're still pushing on social media like, you should go see it. It's the it. bare minimum of marketing. Yeah. Why do I know that? Because I do the bare minimum of marketing in my day job. <laughs> social media. And you and can just expect it to happen? It's the cheapest, easiest thing to do. Exactly. Disney put zero money That's, behind it. It's like they wanted it to fail. It's virtually not trying. It's, it's not trying. And you have marketable cast members. Jake Gyllenhaal, Dennis Quaid, Gabrielle Union, Lucy Liu, Alan Tudyk is the narrator. I love Alan Tudyk. Yeah, I absolutely love him. Kind of but so you have marketable voices that they didn't even use to market. So why even pay those voice actors of celebrities instead of just getting voice actors that probably would be cheaper too to develop these characters? There's True. so many things that went wrong with this and it just pisses me off because the movie did have potential to do well because it's an adventure film and I love those types of animated things that are a little bit different and seeing things and okay. yes there there That's are good we've laid yeah. the, the the landscape for the business of films which very much affects what's in them so let's talk about what's inside the movie and uh, talk a little bit about Strange World but I have a question first okay I needed to get to this I wrote it down <laughs> very convoluted but I wrote it down Bradford do you think maybe this will open up a big can of worms that I'll just edit out but did they <laughs> Did they lean on the Disney name too much with that brand name arrogance and they think that was going to carry it? No. Okay, that's uh, number one. Don't believe good question. And number two, and I think the more prudent question is, this is the first, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first Disney, like full Disney movie, like not light. Right. Okay. Disney movie since COVID, right? Disney animated. Like theatrical release. Yeah, without Pixar involved. Right. right. Without Pixar. Without, yes. Okay, okay. Right. So, uh, you know, not straight to streaming. Right. Which they did with plenty of other films. Yes, no, right. Did. Yeah. No, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So, so this it's, is the first one that said, okay, we're not going to break. The, we're going to try to go back into the theater now. Yeah. That's what, I'm, just what I mean by that. Toes deep. Because they decided not the to with other ones that they could have. Right. So my question is, would it have bombed no matter what the movie was, within reason, of course. The first one out of COVID. The first, like, okay, this is our. We're not. We're gonna. We're, we're not. Gonna we're not gonna go to stream. Home. We're actually gonna put it out in the theater. We're gonna test the waters that way. And kind of ease our way back in. Would this have bombed no matter what? I don't Again, think so because reason. they could have used that for marketing. It's our first Walt Disney Animated Studios classic okay. to come sure. in. You turn it into a positive. You turn it into a positive. You spin it. Yeah, That's what point. marketing does. Okay. So, But it's a good question. It's a good question. Them just bleh and releasing it did not do enough because you there's, up, there's potential for marketing for this that they just didn't do because they're... You think of the, the, some of the characters in here as well, too. They could have marketed some of those characters with the adventure and every, the adventure story, but they didn't even make multiple trailers. There's like two trailers. 
And how yeah. many times do we see three trailers? Three is typically the number. It's well, obvious they too don't much. have a commitment they, to it. They did not commit to it, yet they just do like what yeah. you said, the cheapest one. I liked the representation, and one of the reasons I liked the representation was because it didn't feel like they were pushing it on me. It was just very matter-of-fact. It was just there. Which I appreciate, because I will. it doesn't matter in which direction somebody pushes me. I automatically push back. I'm the rebel. Um, so, <laughs> like, I feel that. I totally get that. I'm on guard for that sometimes. And I didn't feel like I got that in this movie. While it was somewhat enjoyable, uh, I did like the production design visually. I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, but at the same time, uh, they went to some of the old standbys in Disney of. You know, the younger character telling an older relative, I'm not you. You know, I'm different. Uh, I think is has been done a few too many times. So while I kind of liked it, I think I'm going to forget about it in February. No, and I totally understand that. It's, it's the thing with a family movie. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I'm fine with it because when making one of these movies, especially like this, because Pixar, they're the ones making the movies to make you feel. Mm-hmm. That are doing something different. That mm-hmm. just reach into your heart, pull it out, squeeze it a little bit, then put it right back in. That's Pixar. That's yep. Disney Pixar and right you're there. Glad they did it. Yes, and you're glad they did it. What I'm looking for in a Walt Disney animated film is: is it enjoyable for the whole family? It doesn't have to be overly deep, but is it something that say someone could take their kids, their grandkids, or their family's kids, or whatever? Take the family out, have an hour and a half to sit down and enjoy the movies, and and be done with it, to where you have some marketable characters. Yeah. And you just have a fun adventure. Did you like the movie? Yeah, I really did. Don't like have the a movie. smile on their face. Yeah, that's really what I'm looking at here. I'm not looking at it for deeper meaning. And it did have those elements. It had some adventure, had some fun things. Yes, it has the, I'm not you thing. And that's fine to me. <laughs> that totally is fine to me as well, because they do address other topics as well, too, of like what sure. is truly yeah. the trouble and that, of what's and going that's on. Really and that's really a minor you know, plot yeah. Point. Yeah. So there's other things they address here that I think could be discussion topics for parents to have with their kids about living their lives and things of that sort. And like Jim said, nothing's being forced or pushed. It's just a topic of the movie. So I'm okay with it. It's not life changing for me. I just wish they would have given it the same due because of other things that were in the film to give it the same marketing because it is so blatant how bad the marketing was and how they just made this decision in so, their heads to not do anything for the film. So do you think? Did the movie fail because it wasn't marketed or did they not market the movie because they knew it was just blah? That it was is a okay. very fair question. But see, if was that good, was, if that right. was going to be the thing, then why not go straight to streaming? That's a great question. Because that's, that's why I counted the question. The blueprint's already there. Right. They could have easily yeah. done that. People think, oh, great, cool, because they did it with so many other animated films. Probably because they were in the midst of firing their CEO and getting ready for a new one. Potentially. But... The new one coming in was already so familiar with the Disney product. It wasn't going to change. The CEO yeah. was not going to, to change say, this. Follow the template. There, the, the, here's the thing, too. They already fired the guy that was in charge of programming, though, for Disney Plus and stuff, too. He was already let go. Yeah. So there is a, I know this is a film review podcast, but this is the business side of things. And it's very important. This is take over see. Yeah. That you see a blatant disrespect for the film based on Disney's part because they didn't market it. They, when they could have, they had a choice now. Four years ago, they could not have done this. It was theater only or directed Blu-ray. 
That's, right. That was not going to happen. That's, now, that's, that's reserved for Aladdin two and a half. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so now, Lion King, everybody sings. Now, if they, didn't have any con- if they didn't have any confidence in it that early on, so true. they could have easily said, you know what, we're going to change it to streaming because they've done that before. But they didn't. They are still pushing it in theaters after the release and the bomb. They're still putting very minimal marketing saying, go see it. This is great. Here's some reviews that are positive from Arizona Republic, The Hollywood Reporter, USA Today, Variety. They're pushing some of those positive things like like that's going to affect anything now. It's too late. They missed, like you said before, Jim, they missed the win that they could have had through the Thanksgiving holiday. They missed it. People wanted to go to something. Yeah. Families want something. Yeah. So tell them them something. I saw Glass Onion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a little better. <laughs> Foreshadow. So <laughs> subscribe so you can get that episode. Ratings. Let's find out what you scored this BS. I score the movie at a 6.5. Well, okay. I For everything you just I, said, that's pretty impressive. I thought you were going to be a little higher. So, uh, oh, I mean, really? I, I did. Okay. I mean, I give it a 6.5 because as Grover, I deducted points for Disney doing stupid Disney things. And I'm so proud. I'm a Disney stockholder as a marketer, as a film goer, as someone that has higher expectations out of something. It affects me more because I see what could potentially happen with this, because look how long it took for treasure planet and Atlantis to come through. And they are cult classics. Now people talk about them nowadays. Still. Mm, Do they? Yes. Do they? Jim, if you would get on, if you would get on social media and not just hide under your rock, I'll give you treasure Mm. planet. People talk about those because they changed the animation stylings, too. They were very different films. Yes, they were. Because they came out boom, boom, back to back, and Disney did nothing with them. And they had lots of potential. And Treasure Planet is a great, great film. I love Treasure Planet, but it bombed because it was different, and Disney didn't do anything with it. And like you said when we started, they're repeating themselves. Yeah. I, I, it's weird. I'm wondering if it's a phenomenon or if they're making it a phenomenon. But uh, they didn't wow me in anything, and I, I kind of... Thought it was a forgettable story, so I'm just going to go straight down the middle and give it a five. You know, it was fine. It did things very well. I think it was a, it was a beautiful movie to look at. There were some nice twists in in the film. That I do have a little pushback because it had it seemed like it had several messages, but you know, one good message of take care of the place that you are. All right, let's get to our question now. And because they're two interesting films, we'll pair this one with it because we're coming to the end of the calendar year that I wanted to ask this. So this is from me. I submitted this question. Your favorite independent or art house film released in 2022. Ooh, who wants to take that on first? I think, I think he should, Jim should. He's, He's an art talking. house guy. He always says that. Yeah. So uh, I was uh, I was a guy that saw this movie and evangelized you two about this <laughs> film. I was just like, oh, you got to see this. Oh, I can't believe you missed this movie. Everything, everywhere, all at once was a masterpiece. It was, and I love Doctor Strange, but if you're going to pick a multiverse movie for 2022, this one is it. It's a 10 out of 10. So mm, Agreed. Uh, I, it made more money for an independent distributor than anything. It's breaking a lot of records, and it's getting a lot of awards because it just... I never thought I could see a movie like that, and I did. So I'm really thankful for that movie. I, I thought it was really neat. I love that choice. It's made $103.3 million, uh, $70 million in the U.S. And when you think about it, Michelle Yeoh 
is incredible, phenomenal. Loved her in Shang-Chi and so many things yeah. that she does. And it seems like it's a, I don't want to say a renaissance, but oh she, sure, she's having such an incredible career moment right now, too, with everything that she's been involved in, all the projects oh, yeah. she's been involved in. It just re- makes everybody reappreciate her. It really does. And that is, like Jim said, incredible multiverse movie done the right way. True multiverse experiences that you get in that film. So highly recommend seeing that. I'll go second, and because mine's more vanilla to the everyday viewing movie goer, I think. Okay, because it it surprised me actually. Because I was kind of, hey, let me brainstorm, you know, make sure that I'm picking an indie film, maybe not forgetting one that I saw sure. that kind of thing. And so I I just Google a list, and Nope was on it, and it and it rushed back. They included Nope as an independent they film, did. and so and I'm and I'm picking that one because one, I think people may maybe saw it more than these other indie films. Of course, I mean, the nature of an indie film, right? Sure. But on top of that, I remember being really, and you can go listen to the podcast about it. I being very surprised that I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I, I came in with a very low expectation, not because it's Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele's great, but because I was like, this is my genre. I don't right. really care about, you know, like the horror and the kind of suspense, you know, the suspense is okay, but it looks, it well, had a lot it, of hurdles for you. Yeah. And, but it was tremendous. I thought it was really, really good. A real solid film. The more I thought about it, the better it got. I mean, by the time I think when I left the theater, I think it was like a six for me. And I think by the time we recorded the podcast, I think it was like an eight. Like it just it grew on me just over time. So there was uh, a lot to digest. Yeah. So for those reasons, I'm picking Nope. Interesting that we call that an independent, not a like a, a major studio blockbuster Agreed. because it was handled like one. Yes, it was. But we forget. That that studio is, we're pretty sure, I think it's Jordan Peele's. It is. So it is. uh, It is independent. That's right. Speaking of digestion, you know, it took a while to digest all those people in that movie. (laughs) So, spoiler alert. (laughs) back out. (laughs) Uh, So, I'll have two honorable mentions for this Uh, Cha Cha Real Smooth. Pretty incredible. I really, really enjoyed that film. What genre would you put it in? Uh, Adult coming of age. Okay. Was that a section in Blockbuster? <laughs> no, it is. It is. Because I just watched uh, <laughs> Bones and All. Which yeah, is, see? Believe it or not, you'd say, oh, it's a horror movie. No, it's a teenage romance coming yeah. of age film. And this is a graduated college doesn't have a job coming oh. of age film. Uh, but I really did enjoy that. It's it's interesting, the characters, the way that, that it flows. I really felt a lot after that. So cannot recommend that one off. I believe it's Apple TV Plus. Excellent. Uh, for that one. Uh, the other honorable mention is Everything. Everywhere, all at once. Incredible. Love that. My number one is Marcel the Shell with shoes on. And y'all, I loved this movie so incredibly much. I did not know what to expect. I thought it was just going to be this cute little film about, you know, with st- some stop motion animation with this little shell that talks and everything. But it was so much more than that. It was a commentary on life. A commentary on life. And it makes you feel like you want you want a movie with heart that draws you in and you feel something for this talking seashell with sneakers with sneakers <laughs> and the relationship he has with his grandmother and family and with the the narrator the videographer the person that, that's yes. telling the story the, the the omnipresent person in his life it is an incredible incredible film i cannot recommend it enough if you want to feel if you want to maybe shed a tear giggle laugh have your heart feel warm. If you want to see something you've never seen before. You've never seen anything like this before. Marcel the Shell with shoes on. I loved it. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it so much. And it, yeah, that's my favorite. 
So we didn't talk about them during this question, but it was a year when we uh, a lot of the independent films may not have has been as good as they have been in the past. But the few that we did mention were so incredibly good that it made up for everything. These were the cream of the crop and then no one else. This is the Untitled Film Project podcast. Uh, You can leave us a review and uh, tell everybody how wonderful we are and what great examples we are of carbon-based life forms. (laughs) Whatever you want to do and say about us, you can leave a review. Uh, You can also interact with us, which is even better. Yeah, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Follow us on there. Interact with us. Give us questions you'd like us to answer. Really do appreciate that. And then listen to the podcast, Spotify, iHeart, Apple, Amazon, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, you can do it there. Once you see the movie and you want to talk about it with somebody, here we are. Go watch, then come listen. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.